0: The, we got something special today.
1: The big deal, you think so? I think it's special. We're we're going to talk about worship. So That's right. uh, uh I'm one of the pastors here. I'm Todd. If I've not met you and this is Sharia. She's our pastor of worship around here. And we're going to start something a little different this week. We're moving through John. We're going to continue to move through John. But every once in a while, we may interrupt uh, themes that come from the book and, and just focus on them. And so last week, we, Keith uh, looked at the text. And, and you remember Andrew went and got Peter, who Jesus named uh, uh, Simon, who Jesus named the Rock, Peter. And, and then Philip went and got Nathaniel. And they were excited about Jesus. Now, the, the word worship isn't there. It's not used in the text. But that's what they were doing. They were awed. They were excited, they looked at this Jesus and he was, he was more than they expected. So what we're gonna do is, is talk a, a, about worship this morning. But, but before we go there, we talk a lot. You guys have noticed we live in a broken world? Uh, this last week in our, own, uh, in our own community over at Kramer Middle School. Uh, the vice principal on uh, suicide prevention day Uh, at the school on the property uh, took his own life so i'm going to ask you to just pause for a second a ripple effect we had a a teacher at el 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 dorado i think 2015. we've got a member of our church family that's uh, on the staff the teaching staff over there at uh, kramer we've got folks again i don't even know if this triggers for folks Both of these have pretty significantly influenced our folks around here. So I'm going to ask you just to pause for a second, pray for the family of uh, the man who took his own life, for the teacher. I mean, the ripple effect of this, the questions parents are having to wrestle with their kids about, that God should just use this, hopefully, to point ultimately to himself. But if you would, just where you're at, just ask the Lord to uh, be with our community and those involved. Lord, work in this context to reveal your love and your grace and use us as instruments of the hope that's found in Jesus. That's our prayer. Amen. We got that. I don't know if you've been following, but there's still some problems over there in Ukraine. Messy situation. And the world is broken, there's stuff every week. This one feels like to me the greatest threat of having more global implications. But I'm gonna ask us to pause here just for a second. I'm gonna ask you guys again, just, just pray for their president, for their leaders, for the believers in that country that they'd be manifesting, that those of us around the world, our president, we would be wise. And ultimately, uh, God would use this us, again to display his glory. But this is tough stuff. So if you would, just where you are, if you will, please just, just ask the Lord here to intervene. Father, use your people in Ukraine, around the world, to point to the hope that's in you. That's our prayer. We pray that you would work in this uh, atrocious, horrendous situation to reveal your love and your grace. And we do pray for peace, Father, that you would work in the hearts of folks and transform hearts. That's our prayer. Father, ugh, manifest your love and your grace in ways that will astound us and keep all of our eyes focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what Sheree and I are talking about today is, is, is what is, 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 is worship. And here's our hope, that if you leave here today, You've got a more clear understanding of what God-glorifying worship is. And our hope is that you'll leave here today and throughout the week when you maybe gather on Sundays that there'd be a fuller experience of, uh, of what worship is. You cool with that? That's what we're going to try and do. Anything you want to add? Sounds good. Okay, sounds go. good. So here's where we go. Worship is simply this, ascribing worth or value. That's, that's, that's what it means. Now, if you look it up, you can find all kinds of synonyms. Revere, adore, venerate, honor, uh, uh, praise. There's, there's all kinds of, of, of other verbs that we can use, and I'm using worship, we're using worship here today as a verb. But, but worship at the core of it is just, just from ascribing worth. In the Old English, this isn't the, the, the form in the Old English there, the worth and the ship. It's actually a transliteration of the Old English, but it comes from two words worth and and ship, experienced or displayed, right? There's this idea that uh, we find value and and that value and our appreciation of the value comes out. You with me thus far? And uh, 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 God designed us to worship. I believe this desire to praise, to, to find value in this world, in life, is ultimately from God, and it's a great thing. Now, stay with us as you go through this. It is a great thing. Ultimately, he put this desire for us to worship in us so that we would find the value that's in him. That's why he gave us this desire. We want a value. We want to praise. We want to worship. Now, worship that God, glorifies God has two Components, because when we start talking about worship, I think oftentimes we think about what happens on Sunday morning. We're just talking right now about the essence of what it is. And we often think about what we like in a worship service, what style. I just want us to notice, and here's where we're going to start there's only two components to worship that glorifies God. I think so often we think of worship from our perspective, and we're the audience here, what's being delivered. You guys have probably heard this somewhere, but when we worship, God's the audience, and we are all the actors. We often think of what we like, but really the question is what is it that God, if He's the audience, what is it that He wants? Now, there are just two things that are essential to God glorifying worship only two. That's it. And we get it from, from the woman at the well. When Jesus is coming and talking to her and she's okay. throwing apart her life and, and he's trying to help her see that he's this living water. And she tries to distract him and say, okay, she understands he's some godly guy and some prophet. And she says, so tell me, where's the best place to worship? Is it on Mount Gerizim or is it in Jerusalem? She's trying to distract him. Where is it? What building would be the best place to worship? And Jesus says, it doesn't have anything to do with the place. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers, everybody sees that? Those who are worshiping in a way that God actually goes, that's good. I like that. That pleases me. We'll worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now, you see small s there. He's not here talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about our spirits. What he's saying is the truth has engaged our head, and the truth has engaged our heart. And so it's not just something cerebral. You remember Jesus said something like, ah, oh, these people honor me with their lips, yep. but their hearts are far from me now if you'll stay this is why uh, again sheree and i think this is this is so important so well, the, insinua- the insinuation is depth keep going spirit, spirit and truth
0: those are not surfacy things when he says you know true worshipers the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth it's not surfacy It's a deeper thinking so where issue. in the
1: bible do we look to find what styles of worship please god <laughs> What what book do we find? Whether it's supposed to be hymns or choruses, oh. organ or electric guitar. Can't find it, folks. Some of you who bongos. are older
0: worship bongos.
1: I was a young pastor for some of you who remember the worship wars. Well, people wanted to argue. There's a better way and a worse way to worship. Worship that glorifies God has two components: spirit, heart. And the truth had. Because right. here's how it works. The truth of who God is touches our head. And we see worship is ascribing value. Everybody remember that? And we get to this place where we start looking at God and we go, how much value does he have? He created everything out of Nothing. We sinned against him. We're going to celebrate this at Easter. Then he came here and said, and he died, and then he rose from the dead. How much value does God have? Now, here's the challenge. We can say that stuff intellectually, but this is the important part about what Jesus shared with the woman on the well. It's just not the truth in our heads. It's having our hearts engaged. That's the worship that glorifies God. Now, this is a passion of mine. (laughs) Using the word worship exclusively have God has muddied its meaning. So this week in preparation, I looked at all kinds of definitions out there in the secular world. I googled worship. Go do it. Almost every definition of worship out there in the secular world has to do with the divine or God. Now, I appreciate what might be the intent of this, that God, because he has of infinite value, we want worship that is attributed to him. But we don't use that word about anything or anyone else if we do use that say, like, oh, they worship their car. It's usually word used derisively. I think this has made worship cloudy. I'm, I think it's confused us. When worship is something we do only with God, what is it? Now I'm reading these definitions. You look up Wikipedia on worship, it takes the heart out of worship, connects it to God. This has become how people understand worship. If I get the infinite idea of value in my head, then I'm worshiping. We've lost sight of, of, of actually what it is. So, what is worship? It's just describing worth. That's what it is. Value. We understand something has value, it touches our hearts and moves our hearts. That's what worship is. And God glorifying worship has two components the head and the heart. I would argue those are components of worship in anything. So, what is worship? How do we know what we are worshiping? What or whom we value? Anybody that knows me been around here at RCC, take a guess. You guys at home, you're not gonna be able to shout it out here, but you be guessing at home too. What do you think I think is the biggest indicator of how much we value something? Anybody wanna guess? Pardon? Joy! And I read these definitions where they're pulling the heart out of worship. I'm like, man, you are missing it. Ah, joy. Here's how we know what we value. It makes us happy. I will tell you, My deep conviction, our deep conviction is there is a direct correlation between how happy someone or something makes us and how much we're worshiping it. There's a direct correlation between how happy something makes us and how much we value it. You want to know how much you value something? How happy does it make you? And how sad are you when you don't have it? That's how we know what we value. Worship is ascribing worth, value to anything. God made us to do that. So how often are we worshiping? How often are we worshiping? All the time, every day, all day. We're looking for things that are meaningful to us. We're looking for things that have value. We're looking for things that have worth. And then we can spit, we commit time and money to them. And they make us happy. How many of you worship your vehicle? Your motor vehicle, let me see your hands.
0: <laughs> That's
1: right. I'm not kidding now, Scribe let me values. see your hands. How many of you worship your car? There is one honest man right there. <laughs> Gabe Padiondi, you got gift card coming from Starbucks. You guys think I'm kidding? No, no, Dodgers. The Dodgers. There you go, there you go. Tell me what do we worship? Golf. Golf. <laughs> Something's much more worthwhile. Here's the reality, guys. We we worship just about everything. We find value in just about everything. A sunset. Now, we hope we don't worship the sunset more than the guy that actually put it there. I worship food. I find great value in food. Yesterday, I was worshiping our UCLA Bruins as they progressed to the Sweet Sixteen. I worship these shoes, these shoes have value to me. I said to a member of our congregation, not just what they are, uh, hey, I really like your shoes. And a few weeks later, they showed up at my house. And Mike and Debbie, by the way, I really like your car. But we worship. I was just gonna say,
0: stop right there at the shoes. Now it's making sense. I really understand about worth, when, when it comes to shoes. No. So do
1: we worship? What do we worship? Anything Everything. we find value in. That's right. That's what worship is. Do I worship my kids, their spouses, my grandkids, my wife? All this stuff has value to, uh, to us. So we worship people and things, and it's not necessarily. Now, you got to stay here. It's not necessarily illegitimate or sinful. Not necessarily. You're going to stay with us here for a while, right? But we worship all these things because how do we know when we worship something? It makes us happy. How do we know when we're worshiping God? This is the great lie of how worship has been used exclusively of God is that we think we can be worshiping God and not have our hearts engaged. It's one of the greatest lies perpetuated upon churchgoers. It's a lie. If our hearts aren't engaged, we're not worshiping. We can have truth and no heart. God is not pleased. We can have heart without the truth of who he is. I've met people that were really excited about the God they were worshiping, but they had the wrong God. God does not find that pleasing. It's that head and that heart uh, connected. So whether we're realizing it or not, we are worshiping whatever brings us joy. Ha, not that complicated, is it? Is this a paradigm shift? Maybe, maybe not. That is worship. So, why is understanding worship so important? You probably uh, have already inferred what I'm going to state because I hope it's implied. Why is getting a true sense of worship so important? Because it's the essence of being a Christian. We got this infinite God. God. How good is he? I'm out there playing golf on Friday. I'm worshiping God as I'm thinking about Ukraine. Now, with a couple of buddies here from church, and they can tell you my worship wasn't as obvious after I hit a couple of bad shots. <laughs> but I'm playing golf with two friends, and I'm thinking about Ukraine. How good is God to me? Not just living here with the spiritual life, but... Over 3 million folks now have left Ukraine, starting over, and I'm playing golf. Man alive, this is good. That's the essence of Christianity. If we treasure Christ, if we have faith in Christ, we are a genuine worshiper. They're the same thing. but finding the highest value in God. I've asked all kinds of men over my life, um, you know, in that lunch or someplace, so do you love God more than your wife, more than your kids, more than your pickup? And I often hear that's really hard for me to measure. I'm gonna encourage everybody, make that assessment. Because then I'll follow it up. Well, do you love your pickup more than your dog? Do you love your kids more than your house? You know what? They can always give me an evaluation. But not with God. Faith is we get the truth of who he is. (laughs) And here's the crazy thing. If we love God most, we will love our wife, our kids, our friends, and everybody else more than if we don't love them. Because I deal with guys and they think, well, if I love God most, that means I'm going to love my wife and kids last. No! <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. If you actually love him most, he's going to empower you to love them more than you do now. But it's the heart. Ascribing more worth to anyone or anything above God is a damning sign. Please hear this. If we're not finding more joy in Christ than anything or anyone else, we want to be able to assess that, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. We'll talk about how we can come to appreciate this infinite value of Jesus more. If we love anyone more than God, we find more joy in anyone or anything. It's a really bad sign. Cherie and I aren't making this stuff up. (laughs) Jesus said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. what I want to do is jump to we got loving God most. Everybody with me here? We love God most. I'm going to make two more statements here. We love God most. If we don't love him most, that's a bad, bad sign. But we love him most. Everybody's got that, right? Ascribing most worth to God and then ascribing appropriate worth to people and things glorifies God. That's a good, good thing. When I play golf, I get that the resources, all that is ultimately from him. I'm worshiping him when I play golf. When I worship my wife appropriately, let me tell you, next to Jesus, my wife is the number one value. I got a son here this morning. Love you son. Not as much as your mother. But after Jesus, it's my wife. Then my kids and Jessica, their spouses. Grandkids, this is a good thing. Does God want me to find value in this shoe? Yes. I appreciate that this shoe ultimately came from him by way of Mike and Debbie. But I got it. I find value in the shoe, particularly because of what it's intent. And again, really nice car. I really like that. (laughs) Now I'm jumping to the next one here. Here's where we wrestle. And this can get confusing for folks. So stay with me here. Because this is now the wrestling in all of life. Jesus, I have loved him most for 40 years. But sometimes, rather than ascribing the value he intends to other things and other people, sometimes I end up worshiping them a little more than I should, than he intends. Does that make sense? For 40 years, when Jesus revealed the depth of my sin, my life got changed. I've never loved anyone or anything more than Jesus for 40 years and I can't imagine that happening. I still worship food more than I should. That's the essence of the problem for me. It's not that it's gonna give me heart disease prematurely, I don't love that. But I'm looking for it to provide more joy than it can. Golf for me for several years, when my kids were young, I played more golf than I should have. I've worshiped it more Than was appropriate, and then God intended, and I missed out on time with my wife and kids. Materialism. Does God want us to appropriately worship the stuff He's given us? Yes. Our problem is we end up worshiping it more than God designed it to be worshiped. Is this making sense? And this is just the battle of faith that I'm still wrestling with pretty regularly. So, whenever and however we are enjoying God is when we are worshiping Him. Whenever the truth of who God is is touching our hearts wherever we're at, that is the worship of Him. Our head and our hearts engaged. Now, if we get this, it uh, will probably have uh, the implications of a healthy worldview. This is still me, isn't it? Or is this you? No, no, this is you. (laughs) Finally, we can get to the interesting part.
0: No, 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 that's good. I don't know, when we were talking about this and Todd asked me this question out of the blue and I had no idea, and it was the question that he was asking everyone, he asked me, do you worship your son? Do you worship your husband? This is without any context. And I have to tell you, it kind of weirded me out in my brain because I only use the word worship for God. So I had to work through the fact, oh, I get it. It's what do I put worth to? And I think it's a fascinating way that we've come about this today, mostly you, coming about this way way today in that going at it the other way is an understanding that we're putting worth to everything. You're putting worth into your time right now. You put worth into the thoughts, into the lunch plans that you have later on. You're putting worth into everything. And So if we want to start working on our personal worship, that's a part of it. Our very first personal part of our worship is making an appraisal. Every single one of us made an appraisal. You're making an appraisal this morning when asking that, answering that question. I was like, holy macaroni. Am I worshiping my son's baseball games and wanting him to get a hit and no errors more than I am God in the morning? You know? Well, maybe not. Maybe if I pray about his hits and if I pray about, you know, which then I have to pray for the other kid. I have to pray for the pitcher because maybe he doesn't have anybody to pray for. So it's a whole big thing. <laughs> But you have to make an appraisal. In the beginning, before any of us were Christians, we had to make an appraisal. We had to say, wait a minute, is my life working? Am I, what's happening? Who is this Jesus? Is there a God? We made appraisals. We make appraisals every day. We make appraisals and we're engaged with that. Sometimes you're thinking way too much about stuff. Any extra thinkers in here? I'm an overthinker. I've highlighted, I have my notes up here. I've highlighted everything. I've overthought what we're going to say and everything. And then I just threw it away because that's not what we're doing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've never been accused of overthinking.
0: (laughs) But here's the thing. We have to be engaged. How are you engaged? How are you personally going to put more worth on God in your personal life? How how many times? I I told somebody the other day, I'm giving up drama for Lent. No drama. Somebody comes up to me, starts to, you know, start up drama. Nope, I'm giving it up for Lent. See me after Easter. (laughs) Okay? You gotta make an appraisal. Make an appraisal. You gotta carve out time. Now sometimes, you've heard it a million times. You've heard people go, carve out time. Have your moment with the Lord. I'm not being mocking. I'm not doing it. But reality sometimes, there isn't that. There isn't that. Sometimes you're talking to Jesus all in different kinds of places, in the car, I'm just going to say that, in the car, in places where you can find alone time, who knows? But that's your time. Putting worth on who God is in your personal life means that you're carving out some time. You're having time to study, to think about God. Usually for me, the thing that makes me think about God is the painful thing. Something Mm. got my attention. Ow! You know, oh, I better think about God for this. The other day you were saying, you said this, you said, emotions are a really good indicator as to what God wants us to work on. Did something you're, you know, trucking along. We were talking earlier today, difficult things at work, times, praying for kids, doing stuff. You're working. you, you, You see because God allows for you to see what's good. And you see what that is, and then all of a sudden it's not working that way. You don't understand. So you go, ow, and you go to God. Making time. Making time for that. Thinking about God. That's how we're engaged. Talking with God. I have spoken with God in a language that nobody in here has heard. And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about when you're really frustrated and you're really pressed in. You need to talk to God. You need to speak with him. You need to say, I can't talk to, there are some things in my life I can't talk to anybody about. Nobody. No human being on the planet. At all at all. Anybody else relate? Right? you got to talk to God. you got to build a relationship. That's what a relationship is. Relationship is listening. It's talking. It's understanding the character of that other person. <laughs> you and I are working on this. I'm understanding Todd. I'm like, you know what? No matter what notes I make, we're going to go off book. I know <laughs> <where> we are. <laughs> Why? Why? Because I know the character of the person that I'm working with. We always have to do that but that's a friendship that's a friendship I look at Johnny down here that's a friendship that's a relationship it's talking it's listening it's considering it's studying it's doing all that and it's hanging out with other people I don't know about you but sometimes in my personal life there are times when I'm weak my faith is low I don't have an answer but guess what I might go to somebody else who I know has been really built up in faith i talked about this coffee clutch that I belong to. There's a guy in there who's been through cancer eight times. He's on his eighth bout of cancer, shows up every day to this coffee clutch, works a full-time job. There is no time for whining for me, none. How is your faith going? What is going on? What keeps you grooving? I have no idea, but I like to be around it. I like to talk to friends who know about Jesus, who are walking their personal life, because when you do, it's like you're a stranger in a foreign land. We live in a foreign land. Any, anybody been like to Europe or a place where they're speaking other languages, and you might be like, oh, I'm buying some stuff over here, and all of a sudden you hear English? My friend, these are my people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anybody do that? That's how I feel sometimes when we're out in the world. Be in the world, but not of it. What you hear a Christian say something, I think I almost have heart attacks. Every time I hear somebody on the TV go, well, this is a blessing, you use the word blessing. It's so rare. That's what our personal life does. That's what hanging out with others does. It builds our faith so we can go through the happy times, the hard times, the difficult times, that conversation you and I had this morning. That's what it is. It's about doing that. So that's our, our personal our personal worship, our personal time. It gives benefits, the benefits, the benefits of freedom, the benefits of, of understanding who God is. How many people in here evangelize to people that you think it's a hopeless? Hopeless, 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 totally hopeless. I don't know any way that God's going to get you, any way. You know, some of you know, I have an older son. I had an older son who had a very, very difficult time. He lived on the streets for a year and was in jail three times. You think that's it? Yeah. You think, what benefit is it for me to have God in that? Sometimes those are hard roads. That's the benefit. You get to understand the experience of who God is in everyone's life, lifting you up, giving you truth, giving you reasons for no matter where you're at, whether you're in the good, the bad, the ugly season, the, the mountaintop or wherever you are. It's a greater personal experience of the worth of God that supersedes all of that. And guess what? Yeah, you can be happy. You can be happy in it, even in those moments. And then guess what? It's the best blessing of all. Because when you're walking your testimony, people may ask you a question. And when they ask you a question, it might spill out. It might spill out onto others. Anybody ever come up to you and just go, yeah, I kind of heard that you're like a Christian person. And maybe you can pray for me. Ever had that happen? You don't know how you're coming across in the world. You don't know when it comes time when it's difficult. You don't know that people are watching. You don't know who's watching. When I first came to Christ, I was watching a choir, and I saw this one man in the choir, and he had this round, bright, happy face. And I thought, who is this man? Just in the back of like a 70-member choir, not even realizing what was going on. But in that minute, God used that man's face and his enthusiasm and his love for God singing a choir song on a Sunday morning, and it ministered to me. You don't know. You don't know who's watching your Christian life. You don't have any idea. You don't know when you, when you unload the, the Fritos. You don't know. You don't know who's watching you, who wants to pray for you. You don't know. You don't know, you know when you're out on the field. You don't know. And that is the beauty of having this personal worshiping relationship with God. It's going to spill out not only to others but in everything you do. Your character is going to reflect God's character, how you do things. Once again, preach the word of God and use words sometimes. Here's a a scripture. You want to go ahead and read that?
1: Sure, absolutely. Paul, I think in those first 11 chapters is summarizing the infinite worth of God ultimately. That's what it is. And if we get that, here's the first thing he says, 12 through 16, those chapters are about how this looks. And here's where he starts. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, because you get the infinite value of God uh, uh, by the mercies of God to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Just the way we live. We live worshiping him.
0: Everywhere we go, everything we do. And now we take that personal worship and we take it in to this. It's a fancy word, corporate worship. Sounds fancy. But actually what it is, is a bunch of people who love Jesus that get to come together and love him and then love one another. So simple. So simple. Is my mind on you, God, when I come? You know, am I going to do a corporate appraisal? Is my mind on you? Is my heart on you? You know, why is it that Sunday mornings are always the most difficult times to get to church? You ever notice that? Way back when, you know, when my kids were little, I, I dressed up in this nice Easter suit. And five minutes before we were going to go, packing up the car, my oldest son, who had been eating Oreos, decided to sneeze all over me. (laughs) It was hard to get to Easter Sunday. It always seems like it's difficult. But are we taking that? Are you excited? Are we excited as believers to come before and to see our people? This is our family. To share the things that we've learned. To share a scripture with one another. To share a face. To say hello. And then come before God and from beat one say, this is our house. I don't know about you. I don't know about anybody else, but this is our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Sometimes we play those big strong songs like we did today. Because you know what? That's what we're doing. Nobody going to be in this house but Jesus. That's what it's about. That's why sometimes we ask to, to clap and to do that. We want to send a message. This is the message. I don't care what came in. I don't care what thoughts came in that did not come in with you. It's not going to leave with you. Because we came together. And we proclaimed that. We made an appraisal. We prepared. We were engaged. We committed this time. Once you walk through those doors, we commit this time to be with him, to be together. I know sometimes it's singy, and sometimes you're like, well, those lyrics go by really fast. I don't know. Engage anyway. We're going to do Rise Up later. Just sing the Rise Up part. (laughs) Just do this. Just go, Rise Up. (laughs) Everybody say, Rise Up. (laughs) Rise Up and let the other thing bits and pieces go right by. Read the words, engage in those words. Be committed to the time you're here. Why else are we here? What are we doing? I used to say to my kids, are you grumpy today? Why are you grumpy? Is that the way you want to live your morning? Let us not live our mornings that way. We get to do something precious, beyond measure we get to come together. I don't know if anybody I don't know if anybody's been to any sort of uh, recovery, you know, <laughs> recovery worship times. They prepare for that. The the prison ministry, oh lord have mercy. You haven't seen worship till you've seen the people who are either in prison or just got out of prison because they worship like no tomorrow. They are preparing. They want to know the date on the calendar. They say, "Okay, there's 5 more days until I get to worship God." That's what they do because they know what it feels like. To be imprisoned, so they also know what it feels like to be free. We get to welcome others. We welcome others by enjoying God. Nobody wants to you ever walk into a room and people are arguing? You walk in you know, and there you go, and then all of a sudden you see people arguing, what do you do? You gotta kind of walk back out. You know, <laughs> I only want to be in a room where I know stuff's going on. That's good. Let's be in a room where stuff is good. We could be welcoming to others, obviously focusing on God in everything that we do find a word to grab onto, find a rhythm, find a clapping, pray for one another, whatever it is, get a reason for not only for our minds to be focused on God, but for our hearts to be engaged. When we do our assessment to say, am I really ascribing every bit of worth that I have in my life, in my breath, am I doing that for God right now? Imagine what could happen. I don't know. I don't know what would happen. But when we celebrate together, we're celebrating something that's much more than just surface-y. We're, we're celebrating about something that's deep. We're celebrating a change of lives. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm going to say it because it popped into my brain. When I first started, I wanted to be on Broadway. This was my goal. It was my escape from a terrible life, As I wanted to go into entertainment. And I remember I had the beating of my life, okay? Lost teeth and everything by the hands of my own father. And I went to a rehearsal of Bye Bye Birdie with my sister. And I saw her rehearsing, and I put makeup on, and I wore these big Yoko Ono glasses. And I sat in the back. And you know, for that whole entire rehearsal, I had forgotten about what just happened to me. And I thought, if this thing called entertainment has a chance to make me forget, then I'm going to do it. Then God got a hold of me. And then God said to me, I want you to do worship. Because when you put your arts, and you put your heart, and you put your, all of your skills into this environment, it's not just going to change people's minds for two and a half hours. It has the opportunity to change people's lives for life. And that's what we're doing. We're changing it for life. We're celebrating with one another our salvation, the true gift, the absolute freedom from death. That's what we get to do. That's what we get to do as people. What are the benefits? The benefits are easy. We all enjoy God together. We understand God. We get to talk about God. How wonderful. We're enjoying him. We're encouraging others. Be encouraging. You might see the face of someone else who's going through stuff that you already had victory over. Ever happened? You see somebody's face, you go, well, not only do I see your face, but I see my face in that. Encourage people. Let's enjoy God together and the power of who he is. And this is the ultimate. It's a taste of heaven. We're going to be doing this forever and ever and ever in brand new bodies, in brand new places. So we get to do a little bit here, and that's a taste of what's to happen next. And I pass it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so you probably get a sense, uh, one of the delights is talking about this stuff with somebody who has uh, a a passion for this. So I hope we got this. We're worshiping all the time. Worship is just describing value to anything. Uh, Infinite God, He's the most valuable. And whenever we're doing that in spirit and truth, we're worshiping Him. That's what worship is alone together with another small group of what might be symptoms we're living under an improper understanding uh, of worship, Uh, one that doesn't quite fit with what we believe is the essence of it. And there's gazillions of them, but we're just going to mention a few that we view Sunday morning, and we're talking here primarily about corporate worship now, as a spectator event rather than a participative experience. Now, even our, our setting, Is this thing designed for you guys to participate? Does it feel like this? You're sitting in a place that, like you go to a ball game, like you go to a movie theater, this is what you do, like you go to a concert. You sit out there and you're the audience. And so the architecture doesn't really help what is the essence of worship, which is, this is about all of us worshiping God here. He's the audience, not y'all. But uh, uh, we can view this as, what? Oh, I'm going to say, what will entertain me? You know, the sermon this week was not that entertaining. Focus on my preferences rather than what God finds uh, most glorifying. Now, do we want to hear people's preferences in corporate worship? Yeah, we want to hear your preferences. What is it? But we're living in a world where music varieties are, you know, we haven't dealt ever in time in in church history where there's so many styles and so many different things. What are the only requirements of the worship to be God-glorifying? Somebody tell me what they are real loudly. Spirit and truth. That's it. God doesn't really care about anything else. Doesn't care. We want to know your preferences. But we're trying to build something with diverse. How many of you like country music? We do it once in a while, less often if it were up to me. But but <laughs> we, 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 this is about spirit and truth and coming together to, to, to see the truth of who it is. And is my conviction more. The more focused we are on the infant value of God and the more we experience that, here is my bias. Our preferences matter less. They're just less important. I've worshipped in a Catholic mass. I've worshipped in a service that was off the very charismatic. The truth was there and my heart was engaged. I've worshiped in all kinds of places. Worship happens on Sundays. All we do on Sundays is provide an opportunity for people who have been worshiping all week to get together and do it with other folks. I've watched that UCLA game on TV yesterday, it was great. It would have been better if I'd have been celebrating that with other UCLA fans there. That's what worship is, corporate worship. It's good individually, but man alive, when we get together, we get to do that with other folks. You all have heard me say it's my favorite time of the week. I like it better than golf. Sitting in a pew equals worship. Just because anyone's in this room doesn't mean that they're worshiping. Hope so, but the reality is we could be here and not actually the truth of God engaging our hearts. And worship people's music. I hear that people say once in a while, and I try to be gentle, but they'll say, oh, in the worship part of the service. Now, the whole service is worship. When we're doing right now, our hope is that you're worshiping. We're inspiring truths about God and what worship looks to him, and our hope is that your heart is being moved. Are you expressing that audibly? No? Do Sheree and I hope you're worshiping right now? Then we're going to provide other opportunities for us to express that audibly, but worship is whenever the truth. My most intense worship, I'm usually quiet. I love worshiping here with all you guys, but when I'm in my personal time and God and I are connected and there's often a tear in my eye and I can't say a word. Whenever our head and our heart are connected and we're thinking about God, that's when we're, we're worshiping him. Now, we're going to be in our last second. So what's our hope for worship around here, Sharia? Do we have any hopes?
0: Lots of hopes. Individual people all week long worshiping like we've said before. You know, and then coming together. What we want to do is we want to take all of those things. It seems like we're being redundant. But I think we really just want to understand that that's what the concept is. We're enjoying God together. We're being engaged. You know, I, like I, I made a joke earlier, but but we want you to even read some of the words to the lyrics and read it if you don't want to sing it, just to be engaged. And we We've done this, it was interesting in one in our very first meeting, or well, one of our first meetings, one of the things that intrigued me the most is Todd's understanding and wanting of five values or five pillars in our worship services, from the moment we start until afterwards, even during this. And these five values I think are super important because they help us. Be cast a wide net, I would say. A lot of people can do these things over here, but maybe it's missing here. Or they do this stuff over here, and maybe it's missing here. So our hope is to hit every single one of these and to make sure that in these, you guys also understand, us, all of us, understand the biblical text is always first. It's always first and foremost. The songs that are picked, the lyrics that give you a voice for that morning, it all goes around the big idea of what that biblical text is. Also, we're linked to the church, to different churches, to the big church. We want to be able to do that because there's a history for us being a part of this great and wonderful Christian family for 2000 years. We get to be around it. That's why we do scripture readings. That's why we do hymns. We do all of that so they're making sure that we're checking off literally maybe these boxes. We want it to be relevant. I always say, I've got this friend who's a a drummer in this really heavy metal band. He's not a Christian. I put his name every week in a post-it note, and I'm like, if he came to this church, would there be something relevant for him? Would there be something interesting that he might not understand who God is, but maybe he walks in and he says, well, there's a bunch of really cool, nice people who seem loving, and I liked that song. I don't know. It's bait on the hook. Who knows? Then being creative.
1: That, if, I can for, <laughs> if I can for just a second, what we're trying to do here feels to me a little different than most churches. Yep. If you go to a Roman Catholic church, if you go to most Lutheran churches, a Presbyterian church, Episcopalian, they do the link to the church They're really different. well. Yep, yep. You know, they are connected to the big church. If you go to some of the big exploding churches around here, they do the relevant very well. But most churches, and that's okay, they got to say what they do, and they're not trying to do both. We're trying to do both. Is this making sense? We want both here at RCC. We're part of this big church, and yet we want it connected to where we live in 2022 or whatever year we're in
0: just cast you're yeah, right casting a big net and that's part of it and one of the main things also is creativity and creativity is a big buzzword for me because i'm not a big fan of anything that's copy and paste i really do understand even as an artist that you want to have your moment your private moment with god your private time it's the same we are all creative we are all worship leaders we are worship leading in our houses or in our own lives and being creative means you get that original You get that unction, it's an old word. You get that, and that is what's important because it's born out of something unique. The song Rise Up, which we're going to be doing at the very end of this service, that was a unique song written for this church to encourage the church. So we always want to be creative. And then here's our last one, and I know you can talk about this wonderfully, and it being the unified
1: journey. Just what we do on a Sunday morning, we want everything to fit. We want from the beginning of your time here to the end to be a journey where we look at God, we see the truth of who he is. Because the core of worship is this, is getting an ever increasingly clear picture of God, of his love, of his grace, of his forgiveness. He loves us, he loves us, he loves us. And so the key to worship is this, not in our estimation, the circumstances, the style and all that, it's each one of us being filled up throughout the week with this growing picture. We're going to spend eternity figuring out how infinitely valuable God is. And when we get to heaven with none of the barriers of sin, what are we going to be doing worshiping? I remember working through Revelation in my first church in a Wednesday night Bible study in Sharon. I won't give you her last name. And I said, we're going to be worshiping all in heaven. And she looked at me and I loved her candor and she said these words. Won't that be boring? Now, my sense is she speaks for a lot of people who misunderstand what worship is and don't really have all that. Clear a picture of the glory of God. Father, you are good. Move in our hearts to continue to reveal the beauty of who you are. Father, these finite minds, Ha, there is so much that seems to limit us. It's easier intellectually to acknowledge that you're of infinite value than to actually feel that. So we pray that through your spirit, you will take that gap which exists sometimes, it feels like, between our heads and our hearts, and you will move our hearts closer to our heads. Father, we're living in a broken, broken, broken world. And the only real hope for us, the only real hope for the world is your Son. May our genuine worship, being lived out not just on Sunday mornings, out throughout the week be an illustration to others of the hope that there is in Christ, no matter what goes on in Ukraine. No matter what goes on in our schools, no matter what's going on in people's lives, Father, you are in control of everything and you love us so much. May the truth of that continue to fill our heads and continue to fill our hearts. And then Father, we pray that our worship would be pleasing to you because there is no one, no one who has the worth of who you are. Thanks for loving us, Father. We love you.